What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito, back with another episode of the Gino Spirito Podcast. Today is January 13th. Um, before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to my guy, Taurus Samuels. Today is his 21st birthday. Happy birthday, my guy. Uh, you know, hope the day out in uh, Dartmouth was a good one. Um, I really wish you were down here so we'd be, all be able to celebrate you, but at the same time... We wouldn't really even be able to do much. So, you know, I hope you just had a good day out there um, with the homies. Um, and, yeah, I really hope it was full of blessings, full of love. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're about, I want to say, 75% of the way done um, with winter break for me personally. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm honestly feeling pretty good. Uh, I feel like... Going into this last summer, I didn't really get a break. I didn't really get a summer. Um, you know, quor- or yeah, quarantine hit March, and you know, I finished uh, the semester out back home, and I ended up getting a job at Walmart and starting. I want to say the week of my finals or the week after, so there wasn't really much of a gap. Um, to kind of just relax and take a breath after, you know, everything that happened um, with COVID. And then, you know, I ended up working until, you know, just I, I ended up working until um, I started back school. You know, I didn't, you know, obviously we're not in person or anything, but, um, you know, I, I started uh, taking my classes again. And I think um, once winter break hit, I could feel it that I just needed you know a breather you know I just needed something um that wasn't I so I don't want to say necessarily so serious um but I I just needed a break from um you know a, a real job like Walmart or you know just some classes so I'm really glad that I was able to hit the reset button this um this Christmas break uh gets to um, just enjoy enjoy the family without you know all of us stressing about working from home or going to school at, on at home. Instead, we are just able to kind of you know watch movies, um, you know watch some shows, uh, have some good family time outside of all of our you know work and school lives. And and it was honestly really fun. It was it was it's been a really good time. Um, you know it's it's been really refreshing. Like I said. Uh, just being able to spend, I mean, I, I was able to spend time with my daughter before, obviously, but, uh, I think just the stress of not having school and not really, I mean, I have my school job at the same time right now, but not really having, um, anything else to worry about. It's been nice to still, um, see her, um, when I, when I do. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been nice to hit the reset button this Christmas break. And I'm honestly really excited to go back to school. Um, you know, in my second semester of my junior year, I'm, I'm finally going to be in some of these uh, major courses, um, that, you know, will kind of be the building blocks for what I'll be taking my senior year before I graduate and kind of just like those, those final main courses. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much complaints right now, um, but regardless, uh, let's get into it. You know, I um, haven't been able to talk about this uh, NFL 
super wild card weekends. What a slot of games these were. I, I, I'm going to start with the Saturday games. And um, unfortunately, my guy Phil Rivers came a little bit short to the Bills, 27 to 24. Um, he did finish with uh, 390 yards, two touchdowns. Josh Allen, though, on the other hand, finished with 324 and two touchdowns. Stephon Dids, what a game he had. That um, that go route, I want to say it was uh, early third quarter. Or it was in the third quarter at some point um, for the touchdown. Josh Allen with a perfectly placed ball. You know, the, the level of confidence that those two have in each other is definitely something um, that is worth noting moving forward. I, I really feel like, you know, on top of uh, Stephon Dids, Josh Allen is just clicking right now. This man finished 26 for 34. He just seems to be making all the right reads, all of the things that um, maybe he wasn't seeing in the lead his first couple of years or you know, just finally being in that um, in that offense for um, you know the past couple past few years, and finally uh, just being comfortable enough to, um, and not even comfortable, just confident enough to trust his own his own uh, reads, his his own decisions. I, I, it's it's definitely showing, and um, you know, even though uh, the Colts definitely um, had a chance to win multiple times, it, it it felt like I was watching the Chargers games. Uh, just the amount that amount of times that the um, I felt like the Colts could you know just kind of take the lead, maybe get the momentum going back in their their favor. It, it just felt like a Chargers game in the sense of you know always staying right there, right there with a really good team like the Bills and kind of never like taking it, never wanting to you know what I mean, just like have the game in a way you know never never owning that uh, so unfortunately the Colts do fall short but these are the two teams um in my honest opinion that going into these playoffs I, I I wanted to see win the Super Bowl so it was unfortunate that they had to play on wild card weekend but um you know that's that's just how that's how it is um you know on top of on top of the Colts having you know numerous opportunities you know they also had five more first downs than these, this Bills team, 18 more total plays, and punted two less times, and had the ball for 10 minutes longer. I, I Just reading those stats alone, I, I really, you know, at the end of the day, if this is Phil Rivers' last game, I, I just feel b bad for the man. I, I really um, feel like he deserved that Super Bowl win. A, a long time ago and you know just I mean I've I've watched Philip Rivers my entire life and I've never seen him throw a Hail Mary so I thought that was interesting I don't know if you know that was a signal to possibly being his last play and he wasn't gonna just you know Kobe Brissett obviously has a has a stronger arm than him but not letting somebody else um kind of determine the outcome uh, of the of the possible outcome of the game and him just staying in there and slinging it as far as he could uh, didn't make it to the end zone and I think it fell short like at the 10 or maybe like around the seven yard lines but at the same time you know you you, you just try to love the guy um, you know he finishes his, he finishes his career um, 
fifth in passing yards and touchdowns, 64,440 yards and 421 touchdowns, eight Pro Bowls, four division titles, seven playoff appearances. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. That's that's 1,000% a Hall of Fame career um, if he does decide to hang it up after this year, which um, is looking more and more likely as the days go on. Uh, unfortunately, he did finish um, – you know, with a record of five and seven in the postseason, and he uh, has he has the record for the most. Uh, on top of those passing yards and touchdown uh, records, he is the only quarterback in the NFL in NFL history to have uh, that much yards and touchdowns without winning a Super Bowl. So, you know, at the end of the day, I I don't feel like we can judge Philip Rivers' career off of, um, you know, not winning that Super Bowl. I feel like, you know, like I said, this resume speaks for itself, and I feel like there was just a lot of uh, situations that he really could not control, um, you know, being a Chargers fan from 2006 to 2009. Like, there were there were definitely times that Phil Rivers did not come to play um, outside of that, but I feel like in that 2006 to 2009 era, that was definitely our window to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, you have one year where Marlon McCree decides not to just slide and gives the Patriots another opportunity to go win the game, and they do. You have the year um, where Nate Kading misses three field goals to the Jets when he just came off a Pro Bowl um, year um, without missing a field goal. And this man misses three to the Jets, and we end up losing to Mart Sanchez. Um, you have the year where we ended up um, beating the Colts in the divisional rounds and going to Foxborough, but Phil Rivers playing on a torn ACL. So it's 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 like, you know, it's just unfortunate. You know, the, the, those three, four years, uh, you know, when LT was breaking all the records he did and our offense was – completely dominating the lead because our defense was allowing us to do so with Sean Merriman and company. It, it definitely, it, it just sucks. It really does suck to see Phil Rivers possibly retiring without a ring, knowing how good those teams were. Um, yeah, it, it's very unfortunate, but like I said, I got to give props to the Colts defense for really holding um, Josh Allen and that offense, who was just electrifying up until that point, um, just holding them and giving the Colts offense another chance uh, to win the game. I mean, Phil Rivers comes down, they make it a 24-27 to game, and they they hold Josh Allen, give Phil Rivers the ball with two and a half minutes left, and um, it, it, they just could not move the ball. They, they I mean, they get that fourth and ten that was – maybe controversially a fumble um I don't know what the receiver's name was I think it was number 11 um but he I mean honestly in my in my opinion I I truly thought that was a fumble I didn't think he was touched um and I didn't think he gave himself up so when he got up and the ball got popped out I, I felt like it was still free game um so they definitely caught a break there um, but unfortunately, they just they didn't take advantage of that break, and I felt another another reason as to why I just felt like I was watching a Chargers game, not taking advantage of those momentum switches. There there are very I, I don't want to say very few, but I I want to say 
um, you know, there's there's not a lot. There's not a lot of times in an NFL game where you can completely switch the momentum of the game with plays like that. You know, some games there's a lot more than others, but in that game, if if um, you know the Colts get a first, get another first down, maybe get the ball in the twenty, like the thirty twenty yard line, get the Bills on their heels. Like, who knows what happens? They they at least they can give uh, Rodrigo. I don't know what his last name is. Their their kicker who had an, a very very good rookie year. Uh, give him a chance to you know tie the game, send that game into overtime, see what happens. Uh, with a little bit of momentum because they they ended up tying the game, um, but yeah, I I mean who knows what happens if if that if that you know if they are able to get that first down, but at the end of the day it doesn't happen and and they fall short and um, yeah that that's just how football works sometimes. So you know, shout out to the Bills. I'm definitely excited to see what they can they can do in this postseason. I don't want to take anything away from their win, but. Um, I got to just give respect to my guy, Philip Rivers. I mean, I've watched him my entire life, and it was really good to see him make the playoffs. It was really good to see him fighting to the last moment and somehow, someway getting that ball almost at the end zone. So, yeah, it, it's, um, you know, it'll be it'll be definitely uh, it, it'll definitely be different not seeing number 17 on the field if he does decide to retire this year. But. You know, you got to give a shout out to him for always making Sundays fun. Always, you know, reminding everybody that this is a game. This is supposed to be fun. You know, we're supposed to be having a good time. This, you know, so I, I really, if that was Phil Rivers' last um, game, I, I really hope that retirement treats him well. And, uh, you know, what a career he had. What a career that will never be forgotten in my eyes. And I know a lot more, uh, a lot more people's eyes that um you know I hope one day he'll he'll get that respect that he truly deserves but yeah I mean moving on the second game of the day the Rams beat the Seahawks 30 to 20 this was probably the most um surprising score outside of the Browns and Steelers game uh you know going into this game John Wolford was starting over Jared Goff as um, for those of you who don't know, Jared Goff had surgery 11 days ago, and he was um, he suited up for the game as an emergency backup. But unfortunately, um, Wolford had to exit the game and actually go to the hospital after a hit in the first quarter. So that's when um, Jared Goff took over, and um, yeah, they they I, I I don't I don't want to take anything away from Jared Goff and even Cam Akers. I mean, this man had 28 carries for 131 yards. Um, had a very, very good game, very, very good runs um, and critical points of the game. I don't want to take anything away from the offense, but that defense played phenomenal. I mean, you hold Russell Wilson, who was, uh, like I've talked about before, arguably the, I'm not even arguably, he was definitely the front runner for MVP, I want to say weeks one through seven, one through six at least. And you held this man to 11 for 27 passing for just 174 yards and two touchdowns. Like, that's that's how you win a football game. And that's exactly what the Rams did. I, I, I felt like they came with more energy. I felt like they just wanted to win more than the Seahawks did. I don't know what happened. I don't want to make, you know, any speculations. But, you know, 
going into the game, the Seahawks were playing this the Rams' backup quarterback. They they were the division uh, champion, so I don't know if that played any factor. You know, they, it is the playoffs. These guys are in the NFL. I don't really think they would go into a playoff game like, you know, extra confidence or anything. But you did see the same thing with the Steelers. But I just don't think Seattle... You know what I mean? There was nothing like in the news about them talking, talking crap to the uh, to the Rams or anything. But you know, it was an entertaining game to say the least. Uh, Jalen Ramsey did his thing. Aaron Donald did his thing, and um, I mean, they 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 literally made the Seahawks fire their offensive coordinator a couple of days after. Um, that and I mean, it was due to quote unquote um, controversies with Pete Carroll about how having to run the offense. So we'll see how that pans out for Seattle. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't know. I, I, def, I, I definitely just, I'm interested to see what happens with Seattle from here on out. You know, I, I feel like there's just way too much talent in that organization to lose in the first round, especially to a team that... I mean, you beat them in week 16 to win the division, and I felt as if, um, you know, Jared Goff is just definitely not as good as a quarterback as Russell Wilson, yet he didn't even have his best outing, and he still somewhat outplayed him, which says a lot for him only, only having, I think about, I think he only threw for like 163 or something like that, so I, I don't really know what happened with the Seahawks, I don't know what happens with their play calling, but, you know, Russ was definitely cooking at the beginning of the season, and something went wrong towards the end, as, you know, this playoff loss wasn't the first time that they were a little off on offense. I, I want to say weeks 11 through seven, 17, they were, you know, getting the job done, you know, but definitely by little margins, you know, those 23 to 21 victories, just those games that you have to grind out, but it's like you have DK, you got Russ, you got Tyler Lockett, you have Chris Carson, um, and then that defensive side, um, you know, was definitely a little iffy at the beginning of the season, but I felt like they started to play with a little bit of mo more momentum, but still, they, they were grinding those victories out, and you never felt like they fully reached that potential this year, which is just unfortunate. You know, I, I really think Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, Um but yeah, it, it, it is what it is. That's just how football works. And um, yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. I, I, I really think, you know, there should be no reason why they're not, um, you know, trying to defend their division crown, if not pushing further into the playoffs. They just have way too much talent on that roster if everybody stays healthy um, to not be in the playoffs at the least. You know, I, I feel like... You know, Russ was definitely the MVP front runner, but Seattle was definitely a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, just when people were talking about the Super Bowl in, at the beginning of the season, Seattle was definitely up there. Se Seattle was being mentioned um, with the way Russ was playing. But like I said, something happened along the way, and I don't know what that is. And I hope that, um, you know, this new offensive coordinator can give that to Seattle uh, for Russ's sake, for all the for all their fans' sake, for the twelve, you know the twelves. I I really think um, that they will figure that out, and I have 
I have faith that um, Russell Wilson will definitely, um, you know, keep him moving and keep them moving. So, yeah, I, I you know, shout out to the Rams, though. They, they played a really good game, um, got that 30 to 20 victory over them, kind of got a little bit of um, a little bit of revenge. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the Rams moving on to the division rounds. The final game of the day um, on on Saturdays was uh, the Buccaneers and the Washington football team. The Buccaneers ended up getting a 31 to 23, 31 to 23 victory over them, which, um, you know, didn't come as too much of a shock that they ended up winning. But the game was actually a lot more entertaining uh, than I thought it would be going into wildcard weekend. As I mentioned on this podcast, I thought that that would be the least entertaining game. And uh, it ended up being the Bears and the Saints. And we'll get more into that game in a little bit. But that this game was honestly uh, really good. Um, you know, Tom Brady threw for 381 yards with two touchdowns. Mike Evans had a very good outing with six catches and 119 yards. Um, you know, that offense was definitely clicking. You could see that um, that front that front four that Washington had all year who was definitely wrecking havoc and definitely the reason why they were able to kind of make a little comeback and, and win their division at the end of the day. Um, you could kind of just see that, you know, at the end of the day, the Buccaneers were just a better team. Um, but the game ball has got to go to Taylor Haneke. I mean, this man finished with 306 yards, two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing. And I mean, that rushing touchdown, the effort on that play, you could you could just tell how much that man wanted it. And they still, you know, had a chance to win at the end of the day. So he, he did also finish with the highest PFF uh, grade of all quarterbacks on Super Wild Card Weekend. And yeah, what a story that that man has. You know, I mean, he uh, signed to the uh, Reds, he, not the Redskins, he signed to the Washington football team on December 8th. Um, for, you know, basically an extra backup quarterback as, you know, Alex Smith is, he, he's still been dealing, he was still dealing with a nagging injury at the time and Dwayne Haskins still being up and down. They hadn't cut him at the time yet, but when they signed him on December 8th, he was actually taking online classes to finish his engineering degree. And he actually had to email some of his professors <laughs> about uh, his finals and how he needed them to um, push it back for him. And that was actually, I thought that was a pretty cool story. I, I couldn't even imagine having to email some of my professors. Hey, I'm actually going to be playing on the, you know, on an NFL team uh, who has a chance to make the playoffs, which they ended up doing, and I'm actually the quarterback. So, um, yeah, you might see me on TV, but could you uh, do me a favor and push my finals back? I just thought that was a really cool story. You know, it's only his second career start. Um, it's in the playoffs. You're going against the, um, you know, arguably the best quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, sits Super Bowl reigns. Um, I don't. I think he's the winningest quarterback of all time. I guess. I mean, yes, of of course, in the playoffs, but it, in terms of wins, I, I'm sure he is as well. So, you know, he he still. What what a game! What a performance by what by Taylor Taylor Heineke. Um, you know what a story as well by um, just the Washington football team and kind of the adversity that that team faced all year with uh, their head coach dealing with cancer. 
and having to take IVs during halftime to even finish the games. And, of course, Alex Smith is going to be a combat player of the year, uh, 1,000%. And, you know, the story that he had, I mean, he was 4-1 and one as a starter for the team. He's, you know, 4-1. and one. They won seven games. So he won more than half. The Washington football team, um, more than half the games they won, Alex Smith was under center. So, you know, what a story by that team, you know. Un- you know, I- I'm sure that most people – you know, going into Super Wildcard Weekend knew that the Buccaneers were going to take this game, but they def- the Washington football team definitely made this a- an interesting one. And like I said, Taylor Heineke balled out. Um, but I-, I also feel as if this man earned another chance in the NFL. I mean, you know, if it's not for the Washington football team, which I would just be surprised if it's not for the Washington football team. You know, they, they cut Dwayne Haskins. They are, you know, I I don't necessarily know the contract situation without, excuse me, I don't know the contract situation without Smith, um, but I, I've, you know, there's been rumors that he's possibly going to be retiring after this year, or he might be, you know, uh, it might just be too dangerous or, you know, as he had to, you know, miss three or four weeks with, with other injuries, so, um, you know, they're already dealing with enough quarterback issues, so I'm not saying that necessarily T- Taylor Heineke is going to be their starter, but I feel like he deserves an opportunity to compete for it, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington takes a quarterback in the draft, um, but I, you know, I, I would just be really surprised if they do not keep Taylor Heineke if Alex Smith does, ret- you know, decide to retire and hang it up and you know, if, if they don't, I'm sure that man will find a job somewhere else. Like I said, the effort and just the amount of will of wanting to win, you could you could just see it in the way he was playing. You know, he didn't care who was on the other sideline. He didn't care what the score was at any point. He kept pushing, and, and that's, all, that's all you want at the end of the day from a quarterback, you know. So, yeah, um, you know. Buccaneers win. Tom Brady moves on. I I know I talked a lot about the Washington football team, but you know, it's it it is what it is, and I, I'm really I'm really interested to see uh, what the Washington football team will do with that uh, quarterback situation moving forward. But let's get into Sunday games now. Um, you know, the first game of the day. Um, you know, I I guess going into it, I kind of understood that it would be a little chippy. Obviously, the Ravens and the Titans played last uh, last year in the division round where the Titans definitely handled the Ravens easily, 28-12. Uh, to 12. And then, I mean, you have week 11 of this year where um, the Titans were all on the Ravens logo. And then you have John Harbaugh going back and forth with Malcolm Butler. Um, the Titans ended up winning that one in overtime as well. And then uh, Mike Vrabel and John Harbaugh don't even shake hands at the end of the game, or they they you know say some say some nasty words to each other at the end of the game. So I guess going into this game, I kind of I guess watching the pregame show, I was putting together like why that this game was should have been the most anticipated game for me personally. Um, you know, I knew that there was some history in the past couple of years, like I just mentioned, but I, I, I should have, you know, also remembered that I, I guess I, I not remembered. I should have just realized that, you know, it's it was definitely a personal game for the Ravens and you could just tell from the beginning it was. Um, and we, you know, we might have an, a new rivalry in the NFL 
Um, you know, Lamar Jackson left the uh, left the field before the game was even over. He said, you know, saying, um, you know, there wasn't even a reason for us to shake hands. Um, you know, you see the entire Ravens sideline, uh, not the entire, but most of the Ravens sideline running onto the field. Um, taunt, I'm not taunting, but just, you know, waving at the, the Titans bench as uh, Marcus, Marcus Peters uh, sealed the game with that INT. So, I mean, you could definitely tell that this was personal for the Ravens. And I, I'm really, really happy to see Lamar get his first playoff win. Uh, shout out to my boys, Colin and Jaden. I'm sure they're happy about this. Uh, but yeah, Lamar finished with 179 yard pa yards passing and 139 yards on the grounds. Um, you know, you know, he, he definitely played his best playoff game to date and, uh, he led his team to a victory and in a very, very high fashion. And on the other side of the ball, you know, Ryan Tannehill and the Titans offense, I feel like, you know, in the, in, after those first two drives, uh, you know, going up 10, nothing, I was like, wow, you know, um, you know, is this how the game's going to be? I was, uh. I personally, um, you know, wanted the rate. I, I was pulling for the Ravens uh, due to my my boys that I just mentioned, um, but it wasn't looking good after those first two drives. AJ Brown, um, you know, maybe gets away with a push off on that touchdown over Marlon Humphrey, um, but you could kind of tell the Titans were just controlling the line of scrimmage, and then that's when the Ravens started to smack them right back. And I feel like, you know, the Titans were just never really able to make adjustments. I feel like they were still trying to do the same stuff that they were doing on those first two drives. But the Ravens were used to it at that point. And they had made those proper adjustments. So I feel like it definitely came down to coaching. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Ravens got the better hand in this one. I mean, you hold... Um, you know, Derrick Henry, who's coming off of a 2000 yard rushing year, you know, only, you know, only the eighth player to ever do that. And you hold him to an 18 carry 40 yard performance. Like that's, that's very, very good. You know, it's your, your, you, you should win games when you hold the leading rusher in the lead to only 40 yards. So yeah, it, it was definitely, um, it was definitely, uh, at the end of the day, I, Feel like it was on the Titans, you know, like, you know, in week 11, you could see that they were the ones who kind of initiated that, you know, I'm not saying that John Harbaugh shouldn't have ran out there, but it's like, what are you supposed to do as the head coach? And you see this entire team on your logo, disrespecting it, especially after they blew you guys out in the playoffs last year at home as well. So, you know, I, I'm sure that there was some chippiness um, then, but it's like, you know, how, how do you, how do you expect, you got to respond in a playoff game as well. So I, I'm really, I'm really glad that um, the Ravens were able to kind of just uh, shut everybody up about Lamar um, not being able to win a playoff game. Um, you know, just, just getting revenge on the Titans as well. They, they definitely played a really good game. And, you know, if you are thinking about, thinking back on week 10, week 11, and the Ravens are in the hunt and everybody, you know, is, is saying like Lamar had COVID and, you know, their whole organization was kind of, uh, going through it, um, to see them now in a division round in the division rounds. Um, 
after Lamar's first playoff win, being against the Titans and all the momentum that that brings, I, I really could see the the Ravens, you know, winning this division rounds game and, and, and making a Super Bowl run. I, I you know, I, I, I really hope so. You know, I, I'm pulling for Lamar. I'm pulling for these young quarterbacks, like I said, like Josh Allen. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very entertaining to, to watch. Um, and, yeah, I, I really – um, I really just expect nothing, nothing but a great game. So let's, uh, what's it called? I, I guess get into this bears and saints game. It, it was honestly the most boring game of the, of the wild card weekend. If you want me to be completely honest, you know, the saints won 21 to nine, I guess, you know, if you wanted to make the game interesting, you should have watched it on Nickelodeon. Um, which I did, and it still wasn't really that entertaining. The slime zone was really cool, though. I thought that was a nice touch by Nickelodeon. Um, you know, shout out to Mitchell Trubisky for winning the first uh, MVP, <laughs> Nickelodeon MVP. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was. It just came down to the Bears not being able to convert, um, and then like the Saints just not being able to put it away. You know, I felt like um, I was. I have Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team this year, like I've mentioned before. And, you know, I obviously saw the way that they completely annihilated that Vikings defense on Christmas Day and continued to just pile points on the board. And that's why when I when I um, made my prediction for this game, it was it was 38-21 Saints. You know, I, I at least expected, expected them to continue to put up points. And I felt I feel like if the Saints were able to score a couple more times, maybe the Bears would have been able to find their rhythm. But it was like neither team wanted to score. Um, you know, maybe they didn't want to get slimes. Like, I don't know. It was just kind of ridiculous. And I, I definitely fell asleep during the, the fourth quarter. So, yeah, you know, it was it was an all right game. Um but yeah, the Saint the Saints move move forward um, in arguably Drew Brees' last year as well, and then that leads me into the last game of this last game of the wild card weekend, which was the Browns' statement win over the Steelers, forty eight to thirty seven. What a game this was! You know, what a way for the Steelers, the eleven and zero Steelers, to end. You know, it starts with. A disaster, really. I mean, falling twenty-eight, falling behind twenty-eight to nothing um, in the first eight minutes, and really never being able to find that groove. I mean, you know, they did towards the end, but I don't really like to consider. You know, it's it's hard to say that they are in a groove because the Browns are up by you know two scores um, in the fourth. They're just playing you know a prevent saw a soft prevent defense allowing the Steelers to take everything in the middle of the field. And I would hope that Ben Roethlisberger, who has been doing this for so long, can easily make those types of reads. You know, they're running the most basic defense scheme possible. So, you know, Ben Roethlisberger does finish the day with 501 yards and four scores, but it's like, does he get those stats if they don't fall 28 to nothing? You know what I mean? I just don't really think so. You know, but shout out to the Dog Pounds. They they really uh, came to play. No coach, no play caller. 
no practice, no problem. You know, what What a game by them. You know, the Browns are going to be the Browns, I guess. And that's exactly what they did. Baker had two sits, three, and three touchdowns. Kareem Hunt added two more on the grounds. You know, it was just pure dominance from the beginning. I don't want to hear anything about, you know, it was only 11 points or, you know, the Browns got lucky. It was just dominance. And that's that's just, you know, that's what it was. There's nothing else to it. You know, the Browns completely shut the Steelers up. Um, and I, I just don't feel bad for the Steelers. You know, you can really you could really see how that arrogance caught up to them, in my opinion. And I mean, it even showed after the game, you know, Chase Claypool going on his Instagram live, you know, saying the Browns are going to get clapped by the Chiefs this week. It's just like, you know, even if the Browns do get clapped by the Chiefs, the Chiefs this week, it's like y'all just got clapped by the Browns. It's like, how are you about to talk crap? I don't get it. You know, it's the same. It's it's literally it's kind of the same way that the Rams and um the Rams and Seahawks game was, you know, the the Seahawks were the division winner, the Rams finished in second, and then the Rams come in and beat them. But it's like nobody on Seattle was saying shit like that. You know what I mean? It's and it's like now you have uh, you know, I I know that Juju comments um about the Browns being the Browns, kind of out of context. Um, if you watch the full interview, uh you can kind of you kind of realize that the reporter worded the question a little weird and he wasn't really necessarily saying the Browns are the Browns and they suck. It was more of, you know, do they, do you feel like they're the same team? But he could have definitely worded it a little better and not, I, I feel like Juju is definitely a person that likes to just start some, start a little, little banter. He doesn't, he doesn't really mind being that person. So maybe he did say that on purpose, but I think the the ignorance um, from Chase Claypool alone was just it kind of just showed that the Steelers shouldn't even be advancing in the first place. I mean, they were eleven and zero for nothing really, and I I really just don't feel sorry for them. I, I feel like you're you know you're just being a sore loser at that point, and that's just not like the point of the NFL. And you know I just don't really you know. Feel like there 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 shouldn't be shit like that in the sport, you know. Being a Chargers fan, trust me, I've seen my team fall short so many goddamn times. But if there were people on the Chargers that were saying the type of shit that Chase Slaypool was saying, I would think I would just be like that much more mad. It's like you're more focused on. The other, you're more focused on, you know, what are you trying to do? Like, get the last laugh or trying to, like, what do you, what point are you even proving? Like, you literally just lost the game, my guy. Like, you, like, what was Chase Claypool's stats even? Like, I, he wasn't even relevant the entire game, in my opinion. Like, the Steelers weren't even that relevant. So, it was just like, y'all played bad. You guys got outcoached by a team who had no coach. So, just move on, go into next year. You'll be fine with your tit tots. That's all I got to say about that because that shit really just pissed me off. And, you know, it, it's just not, just not, you know, in my opinion, acceptable. And I, I just wouldn't tolerate it. And it really, I think, I wouldn't say Ben Roethlisberger is my favorite quarterback of all time, but I feel like all of these other things outshine the fact that this is possibly Ben Roethlisberger's last game. I mean, you see him with um, Pouncey 
after the game crying to each other you know that's some raw emotion that's some you're my bro I, I you know I've been there I, I I've came up short in high school basketball and uh on a team that was really really good and that you know feeling after the game when you're like with your brother or your brothers and you just look them in the all in the eyes and you're like you know I'm just sorry I, I just feel it's like you know I I feel bad that we didn't win I feel more bad for you I I, I know what that feeling is and you know I, I feel like all of this other stupid you know petty stuff that was happening from mostly the receiver room of the Steelers um kind of just outshine the fact that you know Ben Roethlisberger was able to come back from a you know, come back from an injury um, last year and play a pretty, like, have a pretty good season this year, lead the Steelers to a division title. Unfortunately, they fall short. Um, but, you know, maybe this is Ben Roethlisberger's last season. And, you know, everybody else is just talking about Corvette, Corvette. Everybody's talking about TikTok. Everybody's talking about Juju and Chase Claypool. And, you know what I mean? Like, the respect, like, the respect that they, like, really don't have for the game and kind of just, like, being a sore loser. So, it's just, like, you know, I think that's why I was really frustrated about it. And I'm going to just stand by that because, you know, Big Ben, um, definitely a Hall of Famer as well. Like, I talked about uh, with Phillip Rivers. I mean, he does have two those two Super Bowls, and that'll help his – you know, he'll probably be in the Hall of Fame before Phil Rivers due to that. But, you know, it's it's just unfortunate that somebody like Ben Roethlisberger has to live or possibly have that as his, as his last game and not even be like the center of attention. Instead, it's all these people that just not even as relevant as he is and, you know, just focus on their own brand and shit. So, yeah, I guess that's what frustrated me about that. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the Browns get the dub. I don't want to take anything away from them. I, I just I had to go on that little rant. I, I feel like the Steelers were just ridiculous. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, that's just what happens when you're ignorant. So um, shout out to the Browns um, getting that, that playoff win. But this weekend's games, um, definitely – we are in for a treat. I mean, Saturday, uh, we have the Rams and the Packers starting it off. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into my predictions for the game, as I'll, I'll, I'll talk about those on Friday. But I guess my early thoughts are, um, man, oh, man, is it going to be tough to play at Lambeau this time of year, especially if you're the Los Angeles Rams, um, especially if you're going against MVP Rodgers, you're going against um, Devontae Adams, who is having a remarkable season, one of the best seasons by a receiver I've seen in my lifetime. Um, you know, you have Aaron Jones on that side as well. But, you know, the Rams defense played a hell of a game against Seattle. They played a hell of a game against Russell Wilson. Um, you know, DK has has that long touchdown, but it's like he had, it wasn't even his route. He was running like Russell had to come, you know, kind of scramble. And that was just like a lot, like a last second, like, Oh, I'm a run up the field. So it's just like, if the Rams can play that solid against the Packers, they, they have a chance, you know, I think they need to be playing with the lead. I think they need to uh, feed cam acres, um, you know, take a lot of stress 
off of Jared Goff, not make him make too many decisions or put the game in his hands in a way. I don't really trust Jared Goff to go win me a game like I would with Aaron Rodgers, like I would with Patch Mahomes, like I would with some of these other quarterbacks. So I think that's what the Rams got to do. They got to get Aaron Rodgers and company off the field. They got to put points on the board. They got to play with a lead. And that's the best way they're going to win the game. And then, I, I mean, the second game on Saturday, probably my uh, most anticipated uh, matchup of this uh, divisional round weekend is the Ravens and the Bills. What a matchup this is going to be. Two young quarterbacks coming from the 2018 draft class fighting against each other. Both teams playing extraordinary right now. This is going to just be a nail-biter, I think. I really don't see one team pulling ahead, um, you know, in that fourth quarter just kind of being pointless. I think that this is going to be a shootout. I really think that both teams are going to come to play. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's going to it's gonna be a good one for sure. And we're going to see if uh, Bill's Mafia – is going to see the first AFC championship in a while. We're going to see if Lamar can continue to prove his doubters wrong about not being able to win in the playoffs. It's going to be a good one for sure. Unfortunately, one team's going to have to go home. But, yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Um, and then on Sunday, we got the Browns and the Chiefs. This will, this will be a good one. You know, the Browns are coming off of a game, a very, I feel like, just electrifying win against the Steelers, playing with – a ton of confidence right now and then you have the Chiefs who I mean Patrick Mahomes has been off for two weeks you know he and you know the rest of their starters have really been off for two weeks so you know it's always interesting to see you know players how they play after rest I feel like um, Andy Reid and company know how to get their guys ready though so I really don't think that'll be an issue I think that this game will be really good as well um, this is another game like the Rams coming into uh, Lambeau. It'll it'll be, you know, the Browns coming into KC. Uh, they're just going to have to play with the lead. They're, they're, let's, you know, they got to stick to what they do best, run the ball, make that make the, the, the Chiefs defense um, stop you. You know, I don't want to say put the game in Patch Mahomes' hands because he can obviously respond, but it's like don't let them – get a huge lead on you don't let Patrick Mahomes um you know play comfortably make him you know be down a score be down a touchdown make him put the pressure on Patrick Mahomes don't let him play with a lead play with a couple touchdown lead get to do whatever he wants it just opens the playbook that much more and you have no idea the amount of plays that Andy Reid and company you know what I mean like have in store for this so I think that's their best way of winning. And then you got the Butts and the Saints. This will be, I mean, both both um, late night games will be just amazing. This is going to be the third matchup of the between the two teams, and it's really really tough to beat a team three times. So the Saints got their hands full. I don't think this will be a blowout like it was the first week or like it was the the second time they played. I don't think it was a blowout the second time they played, or it might have been. I'm, I'm I might be thinking about the same game, but. I could have I could have sworn that the Saints handled them pretty pretty well both times, the but I think the Butts will be prepared to play. I think they've been playing with a lot of momentum these past four weeks. Um, 
you know, Tom Brady's Tom Brady, you know. He, he's going to show up to play in the playoffs, you know. There's a reason why he's still doing this at 43. So this will be a great game as well against, you know, two quarterbacks who are, you know, 1,000% in the top five of all time. And it, it'll be a good one for sure. And I'm very excited to watch it unfold, you know. So let's let's uh, – Let's hope for the best for this uh, this uh, NFL divisional round weekend. But that's enough with the NFL. I'm going to talk about the NBA really quick. As all of you guys know, January 13th, 2021, a huge Woj bomb happened when James Harden was traded to the Nets earlier today. I mean, um, I feel like this has been brewing for a minute. As most of uh, the NBA community knows, um, you know, James Harden earlier this season, giving the giving the, the Rockets plenty of, I mean, not plenty, but, you know, various options to choose from as possible trade destinations. And after their two, um, two losses to the Lakers and, you know, a bat to bat in Houston, both, both being, both being in Houston. Uh, last night, January tw- on January twelfth, uh, James Harden, I mean, basically divs up. I th- I think that was the um, craziest. Like, I'm not the craziest, but I don't know the right word for it. It was just, yeah. I mean, it really was crazy. Like, I've never seen some player post game just complete. I mean, basically tell everybody that you know I. I I mean, his direct quote was, I love this city. I've literally done everything I can. The situation is crazy. It's something that I do not think can be fixed. Thanks. And he walks off. I mean, I don't think there has ever been in our lifetime a a player in the middle of the season, nine games in, just directly request a trade like that. Like, wow. So, I mean, that was pretty shocking. And the fact that, I mean, I'm not surprised – I, uh, the Rockets got this done, this deal done right away. I'm sure that the Nets and I know the Sixers were like the other team towards the end that were really making a push at it. Um, you know, got it done this fast. I'm sure that they saw, you know, every I'm, I'm, everybody saw what James Harden said last night, and I, I know that they saw this as an opportunity to really bank now. Um, but yeah, you know, unfortunately, that really did cause some of the Rockets other players like John Wall, you know, it's only been nine games. You know, you're really going to jump off the cliff after nine games. You got Boogie coming out um, and saying it's uh, been disrespect. There's the disrespect has started before um, any of the interview, any that interview last night and that these other 14 guys in the locker room has been buying in and uh, they've been showing up to work and, this has started from training camp with James Harden. So, you know, I I think James Harden is, is a, I mean, how can you not think James Harden is one of the best players in the NBA? But, you know, did the Rockets organization who's given him nothing but love from the beginning deserve that towards the end? I, I don't think so. But he got what he wanted. Um, I mean, this trade when they say blockbuster it's it's definitely blockbuster i mean the nets get james harden and then the rockets get so many people they get aladipo etsum corrupts and they get eight first round pits 
three being I mean not three four being swaps four three being from Brooklyn that are regular first rounds um, in alternating years and one being from Milwaukee um, so the these these draft picks like I said um, will be 2022 2024 and 2026 and then those pit swaps will be 2021 2023 and 2025 and 2027 so if you for those who don't know pit swaps um, are basically for those years that I just mentioned that they have a pit swap, um, say the um, say that the Nets have a worse record than the Rockets, the Rockets can decide to swap their pits with the Nets so they can get a higher draft pick. Um, and that goes until, like I said, alternating years until 2027. And then in those years that aren't on those on those even years, they actually have the the, the Nets first round pick. So, a huge deal for James Harden, let me tell you. Definitely a blockbuster trade. And, I mean, now the Nets are on paper are easily a top two, if not the best team in the league. And I I guess the, the main question is how well are they going to work together? You know, I, I've i always been a fan of Kyrie Irving, but his, late, his, his latest antics, and I think I feel like it started – um, after their championship win, when they ended up getting swept by the Warriors, who now had KD, and LeBron said that we're going to run it back. But then later that summer, Kyrie Irving came out and said he wanted a trade. He didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. I feel like he hasn't fully bought in to any organization that he's been a part of since then, and the Nets being included. Um, I just haven't... I, you know, I, I think Kyrie Irving is, there's no doubt he's a top three point guard in the league when he's trying, when he wants to be. But, you know, that other half the time, I just don't even feel like he wants to play in the NBA. Stephen A. Smith today said that Kyrie Irving should just retire. It doesn't even feel like he wants to play half the time. And then when he does play half the time, you know, he's doing what Kyrie Irving does. So it's just like, I don't understand why a man of that caliber and that talent wouldn't fully buy in. It's it's just sad, really, you know. And I I really feel like it's it's gonna, you know, KD is gonna be the glue of the Nets. You know, we have Kyrie, who's iffy. He's now gonna have to miss the Nets week because he was maskless at a family party when he missed the game for personal reasons, and that's what he was actually doing. And now you're bringing in James Harden, who just you know, caused all this controversy at the Rockets, and, you know, now he's coming in um, with, on top of all the controversy with the Rockets, all the off-court controversy, um, you know, with him and his partying and all of that, so, you know, regardless of how Kyrie and James Harden fit together, the Nets are going to go to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, because of the pure talent that KD has. Don't get me wrong. That is, that's like without question. But in order to truly be a championship team, James Harden and Kyrie Irving are going to have to buy in. Like that's that's just like bottom line end of story. I mean, James Harden is going to be reunited with Mike D'Antoni. And, and so I, I feel like that could maybe be a good fit. But I'm very interested to see how that offense is now going to run. You know, is he going to go back to that two position? Is he going to be like that that spot-up shooter? Who's going to be bringing up the ball at the court? 
you know, Kyrie is already, you know, a shoot first point guard, I feel like, but he can, you know, just with that ridiculous handle. So I feel like they could easily just play two ones on the court. But like I said, Katie's going to be that glue and he's definitely going to have to hold stuff together. Excuse me. But in terms of the trade, you know, I think now that James Harden is not even on the Rockets, the Rockets have an opportunity to push, you know, a team like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Suns, the Trailblazers, um, even the Jazz. Like, they have an opportunity to either win or push those teams to a seven-game series. You at, you have John Wall. You have Victor Oladipo now. You have Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Christian Wood, who's having a career year, UNLV alum. Shout out to Christian Wood. You have Boogie, who's coming off the bench, who's honestly really happy to see Boogie, you know, out there and healthy, you know, though that's a really good team. James Harden on that team, yes, that's a very good team as well, but he wasn't buying in. He was the toxicity of the Rockets in that locker room. Now you have somebody else, a Victor Oladipo caliber player, coming in, stepping in for James Harden. That's that's I think that's a recipe for success. I don't think that they are necessarily a championship team. Like if they got to the finals, they had to play a Bucks, they had to play the Nets, they're not gonna win that series. But I really feel like they can push these top teams in the West and get, you know, make them scared, push them. And who knows, maybe something like the Nuggets and the Clippers happen and the Nuggets, you know what I mean? The Nuggets ended up winning that series. So it's like, we'll see, you know, the Rockets have a very good team. John Wall's playing pretty good this year. I I wouldn't want to, I don't want to say you know, phenomenal, but he, he's definitely back. He's, he's trying to get his rhythm back. And I have no doubt by game 20, 25, John Wall's in me full gear. Boogie will, you know, maybe take a little bit longer since he's missed, you know, three seasons at this point, you know, to get that rhythm going. But yeah, I really feel like the Rockets can be a really good team. And, you know, let's talk about the trade a little more. The Nets, you know, if, People don't remember, they. this isn't the first blockbuster trade that the Nets have made, you know. Going back to KG, Paul Pierce, and that blockbuster trade that was, that ended up being a huge disaster. And the Celtics, that's the way they were able to cash in on all of those pit swaps. So, you know, I could truly see this favoring the Rockets for one in, in one regard. And that is if the Nets don't win a championship. If the Nets don't win a championship in the Nets two to three years, and they... Okay, so basically why I say this. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant are all under contract and will be unrestricted free agents, all of them, in 2023. If they do not win a championship in these Nets two to three years... There's no way that those three stay together. You know what I mean? There is no way that the Nets are able to pay all of them if they even want to stay together. And if they're not winning a championship, you have seen this multiple times with the Miami Heat bid three. And I mean, not even if they don't win it. Some, you know, that's just how the NBA works nowadays. People are constantly on the move. So I really feel like if the Nets win a championship, however... Maybe they're able to keep two guys, you know, maybe James and KD stay, Kyrie goes, you know, retires, he goes somewhere else, but the way the Rockets are going to win this, this um, trade 
is if at the end of that 2023 season, if they all walk and the Nets have to completely rebrand, you know, if the Nets have to completely restart this whole process of building an NBA franchise, you know, those pit swaps are going to come in handy, let me tell you. And that's exactly what happened to the Celtics when they made that trade for Paul Pierce and KG with the Nets. Because that was a huge disaster. The Nets ended up crumbling. They ended up being at the bottom barrel of the league. And boom, the Celtics were able to take advantage of that on top of being a good team. So the Rockets, you know, come 2023, they like I just mentioned, their core is already very solid. And if they are able to take advantage of those pits because the Nets don't win a championship or, you know, regardless of winning a championship, that chemistry doesn't work. You know what I mean? Who knows? The Nets, maybe they're not relevant in a couple of years. Maybe they aren't as good as people thought they would be. You know, on paper, like I said, they are going to be a great team if all three of those guys are on the court. But... These pit swaps extend until the 2027 season. And like I said, they are all unrestricted free agents in 2023. So, you know, we'll see about that. You know, the Nets have to win a championship if they want to even remotely consider this trade worth it. You know, if they don't win a championship, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rough, rough time for the Nets and all of their fans after, you know what I mean, this era of Nets basketball with Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden. And, you know, obviously maybe they are able to keep one of those guys around until they retire. But at the end of the day, it's going to be tough for them to completely rebrand like that. And yeah, it w we'll definitely see. I, I think that was definitely something um as to why the nets just went all in seeing that they are all under contract for the next three years seeing that this tight window um you know what i mean with james harden the rockets was just finally like closed they had to go in they had to go all in on it and i feel like this could go you know completely good they win three championships do what they do or it could go completely bad Kyrie continues to not play good I mean, not not play good, but just not play in general. James Harden is a menace off the court. Like, who knows what could happen? I'm not trying to, like, start any speculations on this. I think all these guys are great players, but we're going to have to see. And I, I really, you know, like I said, the Nets have to win a championship to make it worth it. So we'll see. But, you know, just talk about the Lakers really quick. They improved to 7-0 on the road this year with a 128-99 win over the Thunder. Um, they are an NBA best 10 and three sitting first on the West. I just love the way that this team's playing. I feel like they're playing with more passion and more momentum, uh, every game, you know, obviously there's going to be those games that, you know, maybe it's a bat to back, maybe, you know, it's the last game of a road trip and it's just not insane or, you know, it's just not one of your nights, but I, I really feel like the Lakers, um, you know, regardless of those three losses that, um, should be wins, uh, those games are just those off games, you know, um, and I just love the way that this team is playing together right now. I, I really feel like, um, you know, LeBron's three where he turns around and looks at the bench. That's just how the Lakers are right now. They know that they're the shit. And I love it because that's how Lakers basketball should be. And, yeah, it, it's been really nice to see, um, 
just how Rob Polinka was able to really put together this roster and how well each of these new pieces and additions are working with the core that we already had intact. So yeah, I'm really excited uh, to see the Lakers uh, game this Friday and it's the Pelicans and then um, the Warriors on Monday as well as it's a quick uh, two-game homestand before they are on the road until February 1st with seven straight road games. So yeah, uh, shout out to the Lakers. They're playing great. Um, you know, this team's, this team's confidence is only to stand better with time and, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see the levels that it can reach for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this podcast. It, it was good talking, talking about the NFL, talking about some, the, uh, some basketball. Um, I will be, uh, back on Friday to give you my predictions for the division round. Talk more about, uh, if COVID is going to be. Um, you know, a big factor in this NBA season and what I expect uh, to happen uh, moving forward with, you know, controlling the virus. Um, and yeah, just my predictions for the upcoming games. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Gino Spirito podcast. It's been your boy, Gino Spirito. And as always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. And I, I really hope you have a great day. Thank you.